Welcome, welcome, Diva. It's great to have you here today. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yes. So you were just telling me about the work you the amazing work you do around the voice. Um, so yeah. so what, what's that work again? So I'm a voice specialist, uh, and I say that because I work in so many areas of voice. Uh, calling myself a voice coach, the assumption is that I just work with singers. And that's just a, a tiny part of what I do and, and how I work with people. So I'm all about helping people find their voice. And so I work with singers, actors, public speakers, those who speak for a living, like educators. Uh, I educate people on vocal health and how to maintain vocal health if they're using their voice specifically for long periods of time. Um, <laughs> I, I keep saying I vow Tony Robbins will be my client one day because I am dying to work with him. His voice is shot. He talks so much. Mm. Uh, so I, it's, I also like the concepts that I help people find their voice. So those who perhaps fear public speaking or fear, uh, you know, being seen and using their voice. I, I love that part of, of mindset and helping people find their power and confidence to use their voice, whether it's in life or it's in business, uh, you know, because anybody who's an entrepreneur, they are the face of the voice of their business. So it's learning how to use it to attract your ideal clients and, and attract the right people to you. So it's, that's why I say voice specialist, because it's all encompassing. It's not, it's not just singing. Okay. What does it mean to find your voice? What does that mean? It's, it's really about finding yourself and, and being authentic so that your voice is, is what attracts people. So uh, this is, this is the other part of what I do is, is being an online visibility coach is teaching people how to write their messaging so that it is in their voice rather than doing it a certain way because they think that's what's expected. When, when we put this idea in our head that we have to sound a certain way to sound professional or to sound like we are the expert. We, we put on faces and we put on voices. It's not authentically us. And we don't feel 100% confident in who, who that is. And I know I went through that myself. I, you know, especially moving into the online world. I, I've been working for 20 years, not online. And of course, COVID forced us all to, to move and, and pivot and, you know, redirect what we're doing. And so, you know, I was learning and thinking I had to be a certain way to come across as professional on social media or come across a certain way that would attract the right people. But what I found is that wasn't working. It's when I kind of said, ah, forget it. I'm just going to be me. That's when my business changed. That's when everything changed online for me because I was free to be me and to, to have my voice 
And that is what attracted the right people to me because they saw me for who I am, not for who I was trying to be or pretending to be. Does that make sense? Did that answer your question? <laughs> yes, very wonderful answer. Thank you very much. And I am thinking, I, I mean, before all of this, before online, before COVID, way before all of that, what's your story? Uh, it's a good one. It's a good one. I keep saying if there's a book or two or five in, in my life story. Uh, you know, I, I started out wanting to be an actor when I went to theater school and uh, you know I I was heading out into the world when I graduated university with the intent of being an actor and of course it's it's a hard life and I was ready and, and willing and able and a friend came to me he was in a production of The Lion King um, and he was playing Simba and was off because of vocal damage and he said can you help me and so I worked with him for about two weeks and got him back on stage and it was then that I realized my superpower and and that really sort of led me on the path of of the career that I'm in and in that time as well I also became a teacher so I was working in schools and working with kids but in the background, there was a lot of stuff in my life that um, resulted in me losing my voice. I was silenced. And it, it came from trauma and, uh, and just discord within family relationships and stuff like that. And I was avoiding it, so I was throwing myself into work. I was what you would call a workaholic. And I was, you know, a teacher during the day. And then I, I do my side gig as a voice coach. And uh, so I was, I was working easily 16, 17 hours a day. And something had to give. I just didn't think there was a problem. But what ended up happening is life, the universe, you know, when you don't listen to the messages you're getting, it kind of hits you over the head with a two by four. And so my world came to a screeching halt. Uh, there were two incidences that happened in 2013, very close to each other. On May 6th, there was an intruder in my home uh, with the intent to harm or, or kill me. And that set me on a path of, of dealing with post-traumatic stress and uh, on May 19th, so you know, only a couple of weeks later, my brother died by suicide. And that rocked me. My whole world stopped. Uh, and so, you know, the, the years following that was me having to find myself again and, and really realizing just how silenced I was and there were multiple traumas that came afterwards from family and uh, you know ending up having to to cut ties with people who I thought you know in my head I thought family were, were those people who were always supposed to be there for you and love you and support you and they were the ones hurting and causing problems so 
there was a lot of healing that had to happen for me. And I felt stifled. There was probably a time of about four, maybe five years where I didn't have a voice at all. I could barely speak for myself. I could barely, I, I stopped singing and I have been a singer my entire life. I've always identified myself as a singer and that was always my go-to to soothe myself or to, you know, to, if I needed an escape in life, it was music that, that sort of brought me there. And I, I wasn't able to do any of that. And it wasn't until probably January of 2020. Uh, that's when I found my voice again. And there was an incident that happened and I, I stood up for myself. I stood up for my beliefs and it was, it had to do with integrity and I wasn't willing to compromise my integrity and, and my reputation for, for what was being expected of me in a, a situation where I was, uh, part of a, a production that was happening and I stood up for myself and people didn't like it and I lost some friends when I spoke my truth but it helped me find my power again and I have consistently been growing since then and it's then that I realized just how far I had come in my healing and I had been working desperately wanting to heal because I didn't want to be the person who was, you know, labeled with, with PTSD and that being my life forever. Uh, not that it, it doesn't still affect me, but I bounce back much quicker and I, I'm able to, you know, tap into the, the skills and the resources that I have to help me get out of those triggers and those things quicker. So it's, I, I, I say this now with full confidence that my brother dying saved my life. And it, it seems strange to say, but it really did. It forced me to have to stop and really look at myself. And sometimes that's the scariest thing for any of us, any human being is to look at yourself and really truly look at the scars and the wounds and the the things that have happened to really deal with the impact of some of those things and you know so I feel like it's helped me evolve back to me I I found myself again in full form it's not me putting on a brave face it's not me pretending to be something I'm not it's me and, and now I'm of the mindset take me as I am or don't take me at all and I'm okay with that I'm not for everybody so uh, I speak my truth I, I live authentically and I know I'm a work in progress as we all are and I'm okay with that so, someone once said that our voice is our ability to sing, yes, but also our ability to communicate, speak, and our ability to listen, our ability to have a voice in the world. Yes. So what made you want yeah. to help with this? You know, I understand that you went through your own journey and you found your own self, you know, but you could have kept a secret for yourself and, you know, live a peaceful life doing what you're doing. What made you want to help other people with this? 
I know what it's like to be silenced. And there's nothing more infuriating than when you can't be heard. And, you know, as a result of all the things that have happened, I am a big supporter on mental health awareness and suicide prevention. And I know there are people out there who are listening in silence, wishing to find hope or reason to live. And I, I want to be the voice that lets them know to hold on, that, that there is light at the end of a very dark tunnel and that it doesn't have to be living in that darkness all the time or living in that silence. And, you know, I, I worked with kids for almost 20 years as a teacher, so I saw a lot of what, what was happening in the schools and there's so much confusion for kids, uh, now even more so than, than when I was growing up. Uh, I say to, to some of my younger students all the time, I would never want to relive being a kid and a teenager, not in this time, because they get so many mixed messages and we're dealing with things like an antiquated education system that is shoving these archaic methods down their throat and we're expecting all kids to fit into the same cookie cutter and that's that just doesn't work and they don't feel seen or heard and that's why i think we're seeing you know mental illness on the rise stress and anxiety in kids on the rise and unfortunately if people really investigated what the suicide rates are for young people, it would, I would be confident to say that it's, it's epidemic. It's of epic proportions. There is a suicide every 40 seconds in the world. So when people think about that and really wrap your head around that, and that's of any age, every 40 seconds someone is choosing to take their life Mm. we have an obligation to do something about that and when we look at the numbers of you know people under the age of 25 that's even higher Uh, i was at a conference where they were they were saying every nine seconds is is younger people and the age limits or limits but the ages are getting younger and younger i'm i'm seeing you know stories of eight-year-olds nine-year-olds choosing to die and that is a problem and i think that is something that we in society need to take a look at and really address and we need to stop silencing <laughs> The, the talk of suicide and saying that word, we, we treat the word suicide like we do Voldemort in Harry Potter. Oh, oh, don't, don't, don't say it. He'll appear. Don't, don't talk about suicide or it'll happen. Well, it is happening. And when we don't talk about it, that's when we're burying our head in the sands, pretending it doesn't exist. So it, it's something that's really, really dear to my heart because I know what a family goes through when somebody dies by suicide I don't wish that on anyone and I have many people in my life who've experienced the same right we all say we 
we become members of this club we never wanted to join. And so I'm adamant about helping to stop that. And this is this is where I find it important for people to find their voice and for kids especially to find their voice. They need to speak up. They need to be able to dream again. They need to be able to to live freely the way they want to live. And you know, we need to help them find their passion. And I think that's something that's lacking now. In in a, all of us actually not just kids but you know we we tend to try and fit into these social ideas of what is acceptable when the world has changed it's not the same as it was 50 years ago and yet the expectations of what we should be doing are from 50 60 years ago right we should be married by a certain age we should be in a good job and secure and you know living in a house with a white picket fence with 2.5 children by these ages and, and we put these these ideas into the heads of these young people and we don't ask them hey what do you want from life what lights you up what excites you so that is my mission and and it really falls It all falls under helping people find their voice. To speaking up, speaking out, standing up for something. One in one um in every 40 seconds one person attempts suicide or one person dies from suicide, which is dies. Dies for takes their life. Wow. And you believe that the solution to this or at least something that would really help is helping people find their voice so that they are, they can not only have a place in this world where they can operate within that that power but also so that they can speak up yes. am i am i, I think, okay um, yeah yeah absolutely and i was in that place i was suicidal uh dealing with ptsd it, their suicidal ideation is a whole part of of PTSD and you know what kept me going was you know I didn't want to put my mom through what she'd already been through but I wanted more than anything for the world to swallow me up I wanted to disappear and it's not even a, a desire to die and people have to understand that that suicide isn't necessarily somebody wanting to die they want the pain to end or they want somebody to hear them to really hear them and to really see what they're going through and to understand their struggle. So when we don't talk about those things, we're pretending they don't exist and that isolates them even more. Mm. They feel people don't understand. When when people are dealing with a inside loss, what's what's one thing they want, you know, they want to hear in that moment? Like what what do you think would make like what do you think they want to hear? Um that's a really good question. When you're dealing with a, a loss like that, there really are no words. There's nothing that somebody can say to make you feel better. And you know, everybody goes to the standard, you know, so sorry for your loss, they're in a better place that and 
none of those things are helpful. And one thing that I, I learned in one of the support groups I was in, and I've met some incredibly courageous people who have lost people to suicide. And one woman in particular who, honestly, she she was a mentor in my own healing. This is a woman who lost both of her sons to suicide seven years apart. And it was the second son uh, when she had found him and the police were there. She was talking to the police officer and saying, you know, are you guys trained how to to deal with this? Mm. And he said, yes, he said, but what I've come to know and experience is there are no words that I can say that are going to make you feel better. So the only thing I should say is I'm so sorry. Mm. Which to me was really impactful that, mm. you know, this, this police officer knew enough that the only thing to say to her in that moment was, I'm so sorry. Mm. There was nothing else that could console her or take away her pain or make it better. So it was best for him not to say anything. And I had a similar experience. I was at the school I was at. Um, there was a teacher who didn't say anything to me. He put his hand on my shoulder and it was just a look. There were no words exchanged and it was just a there is nothing I can say, but he was showing me that he was there to support. And that actually was a, was very impactful for me because it wasn't the, the standard, you know, I'm so sorry for your loss and, you know, he's in a better place. It's amazing the things that, that people say because we, we're uncomfortable. We don't know what to say when somebody loses somebody. And what do you say when somebody loses somebody to suicide it, it's so traumatic and you know there were people that came to the funeral right in front of my mom said that they would pray for his soul that maybe one day he would get into heaven and I thought that's not what you say to a mother who just lost her son to suicide mm. you know it's unfortunate your son's going to hell mm. um so it, it just it was eye-opening for me and it, it really made me think about the things we say and and again that impact of what our voice can do sometimes part of having a voice is saying nothing mm. and it doesn't mean that you're not present or supportive it just means there are no words in that time that are going to make something better so don't say anything when it comes to the, the actual people who like the actual person who takes the suicide or who takes their who takes their life or commits the suicide are there words that you could say like if your brother was here listening to you like are there words you could say i believe my brother is here and listening to me mm -hmm. and if there's one thing that i've learned after his death is that I am connected to his spirit in ways that I was never able to connect to him 
in physical form. And so, you know, I never, I know people go through different stages of grief and we know and, and understand that. But one thing that I, I was never was angry. Angry was not something I felt for my brother because in my head, for him to get to a point for him to choose to die, that that's a huge decision. That's not something, you know, people just say, oh, I'm going to die today. Mm. Right. And, you know, obviously there are things leading up to that. And so I was never angry at him for taking his life. There were lots of questions I had and there was some guilt that I had to deal with feeling like I could have done something. He didn't call me. Uh, so I think if, if I were to talk to my brother now, my questions would be, why didn't you call me? Mm. Um, but that can eat away at me. And so, you know, I can't change that now. And whatever state he was in at that time, you know, he made whatever decisions he did and we can't go back and change them. That's, that's the thing. So if there's anything I can say to him now is that I miss him, mm. but I understand mm. and that there was growth that needed to happen. Mm. And you know, in a lot of ways, he saved me. And, and in a lot of ways, I think he saved my mom as well. Mm. And it changed the dynamics in our family in huge ways. But it also stopped the chains of toxicity that were present in my family. Mm. You know, my mom and I losing contact with family members was actually healing for us and it stopped these ancestral chains of abuse and like i said the, these toxic environments and my mom and i are quite happy now we found our voice we've found peace with it and of course we miss him but like i said i i still have a relationship with my brother in spirit form mm. and you know, in, in spirit, and I know it sounds funny and, and, you know, people can believe what they want, but it, it's opened up my world to the spirit world. Mm. Um, so now I communicate with spirit more than just my brother. Um, so I'm able to help other people at times and I don't do this for money and I don't do this as a job but I can communicate messages from spirit to, you know, whoever the recipient is. And I've done that and it has made a difference for them to be able to hear from their, their loved ones who have passed. And so there's a real gift that has come to me as a result of that. And I, I think that's my brother's doing. And so I know he's here with us. I know he's watching over us and I know he's watching over his daughter, my niece, uh, and to me, I find that comforting. And there's so much in her 
that reminds us his legacy lives on. And, you know, he's not here in physical form, but he still lives in us and with us. So I find comfort in that. And, uh, you know, I, I've learned the relationship doesn't end when somebody dies. Yeah, thank you very much for sharing that. The relationship doesn't end when somebody dies. Yeah. And when it comes to the work you do, when people come to you, what, like, what, what makes like, what is making? What's usually the is motivation for them to come to you? Usually, uh, many different things. Sometimes mm. people come to me because, you know, they've got a big event that they have to prepare for, and they, they have to, you know, give a talk or, you know, they're presenting, and you know, it, so many people have that fear of being in front of an audience. And so sometimes they come to me to help break that down and make it more palatable and and easier to to deal with. Uh, Sometimes it's because they've got a big audition to come to prepare for. So they come to me for help with that audition, Uh, like any actor performer, let's say. And sometimes it's because people are struggling with some vocal damage and need the the tools and and the help in fixing that uh and my goal is always my that's my philosophy in my business is i teach people how to technically stay vocally healthy no matter what it is that they're doing and that it's something that we don't talk about often and having been a teacher and worked with so many educators who had like quite severe vocal damage because you think teachers specifically are talking in a classroom of, you know, 30 kids and talking over so many of those voices all the time that they're continuously straining their voice. And if they don't know how to do that properly, then it will affect them and it becomes harder to speak. It becomes more tiring to speak as the vocal damage persists. So, you know, being proactive in that as well, which right now I, I'm trying to, to get into some school boards and, and do some professional development for teachers to be a preventative method to make sure that those things don't happen, that keeps them healthy, keeps them working in, in the classroom and doing what they love. So, um, you know, people can come to me for all different reasons. Some people just come to me because they love to sing and they want to get better at it, or they, they, you know, want to gain confidence to, to go out and speak in public and will come to me for help with that. So it's not just working with the voice I'm doing. I do a lot of mindset stuff uh to help people build confidence and, and feel good about themselves and and for for the people who who want to work with you like what 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 is working with you like what did, what did they expect like what what should they expect <laughs> i always tell anybody who works with me um uh, that they need to trust me and there's always method to my madness because 
uh, there are some things that I get them to do and they, they might feel silly in doing it, but there's always a reason. It's not just, you know, for my entertainment, although it can be entertaining for me at times. Um, and by that, I mean, you know, sometimes somebody might be flapping their arms like a bird walking around a room saying their speech or singing their song, but there's always a reason for why I do the things I do but they have to trust me first so that it can happen. And then they go, Oh, okay. That makes sense. So uh, yeah, I always say there's method to my madness. Just trust in the process. I'll get you there. Um, and so a lot of people who've worked with me, if they hear this, they'll laugh because they know. Uh, and, and I do it when I work with, with groups or individually. Uh, one of the exercises I do with people uh, when it comes to diction and enunciating clearly so that they're understood, whether it's in song or whether it's in a speech, I do an exercise with a cork. And I was music directing a production of Titanic, the musical, and I made the cast do every song with the cork in their mouth. And uh, they looked at me like I was crazy. But it sure made a difference when people were coming to see the show later saying, wow, I could understand every word they were saying. And there was somebody specifically who is a mentor and friend of mine who is also a director of musicals who came to see the show. And that's the first thing she said to me. She said, thank you. I could understand everything they said. So I made sure to let the cast know uh, the next night that their, their cork exercises were not in vain, that it was actually noticed mm -hmm. that their diction was amazing. And so I, there is always method to my madness and people may roll their eyes and may, you know, feel silly doing it, but I get the results. So. So for those who want to, learn how to use their voice, whether as speakers, teachers, entrepreneurs, um, leaders, um, or, or, or singers, for those who want to learn the energy and the, tech, and the technicalities around the power of the voice and the use of the voice, how can they, how can they work with you? Like, how can they reach out to you? Like, how can they connect with you? Well, they can find me on my website, which is easy enough to remember. It's divaneely.com. So, uh, you know, look up my name and you know, that's my website. So D-E-V-A-N-E-E-L-Y.com. Uh, that's where you'll find all the information of what I do and the programs I offer. I work with kids as well in, in kids programming and young performers. And, uh, you know, so for any parents out there who are looking for something for their kids, you know, there's, there's all kinds of things on their but I, I, all my information basically is on my website. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, uh, same thing. Look up Diva Neely. There I am. And they can shoot me a message. Okay. So you reply to your DMs? I do. Yep. Absolutely. Thank you very much for sharing your story. Um, uh, that was, a, that was a blessing, you know, thank you very much for coming today and, you know, doing what you do. What would you say is your core message? My core message, that's a good one. 
there's a voice inside of all of us mm. and one voice can start the winds of change. This so when we use our voice, we can make change happen. Mm. That I think is my core message. When we use our voice, we can make things happen. And there is a voice inside of every one of us. Yep. So thank you very much for sharing that. And uh, hope to have you here again soon. Thank you. It's, it's been an honor to be here. Thank you. For